see, get an updated handout. Updated Pakistan handout. Small to print, you might have to get out your magnifying glass. I apologize. I had to see what I could get on one page. So it's updated. Updated, much more thorough. Uh, no more information. And all the ones I could find, I put on it. <laughs> So as I hand out, I'll even talk to you, there are 422 uh, people groups in Afghanistan. 422, that's a lot, isn't it? And uh, it's hard for me to believe in Pakistan, 418 are unreached. Uh, can you even comprehend that? So the 422 people groups in Pakistan, 418 are unreached. That number's over, I think I put the number, no, I did put it right with the glasses, over 200 million people. That's 200 million people, no churches, no believers, completely unreached. The gospel has never penetrated. Wow, 418. Uh, in Pakistan, several different things, but strongly entrenched Islam. And when Pakistan was formed as a nation, all the issues relating to India and the partition, the Hindu state in India, the, the, and then there was uh, East and West Pakistan. Bangladesh is actually East Pakistan. And then Pakistan was formed, what was initially called West Pakistan. And uh, there are many different things that can lead to this, but I've listed a huge number of some of the biggest people groups. And uh, the total value is 200 million and 414, excuse me, are unreached. Eight have been reached, praise the Lord for that. So uh, I will mention just again uh, the third from the bottom, the Tele people, because I read a little bit about them, three million, and they're especially known for producing oil from sesame seeds and mustard seeds. But the interesting thing is in their own ancient writings, they have connections to King David. Uh, one of their founders, they said, worked in David's court, they claim. I don't know what can prove or not prove that. And also in their ancient writings, they claim a connection with Job, with Job. Isn't that interesting? And they're called the Tele people. There are three million, a lot of them, and they are uh, actively engaged in the production of oil. I'd encourage you just to kind of keep your sheet. This is the kind of thing you can just pray regularly. Just keep asking God, destroy the works of the devil, uh, bring abundant life in Jesus, in Jesus' name to Pakistan, open the hearts of these people, send many laborers into the harvest field, break down these barriers. They are satanic and fill Pakistan with the knowledge of the name of Jesus that every one of these people groups would have multitudes of believers in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's why I guess I just did pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 We really need to keep praying for that to come to fruition. You know, I really get excited. If you want to get excited, and I do all the time, read Revelation 5 and Revelation 7. I tell you what, I never get tired of reading Revelation 5 and 7 where it swears that people from every race, culture, and language, and tribe will be alive in Jesus all over the planet. Hallelujah. So the joy is when I pray for these people being reached. I know they will be. Amen. The Bible promises it. So it will happen. Amen. Well, we'll invite the two young people, youngest people. That would be fair, wouldn't it? They are the youngest people, maybe not, who knows, but they're the two youngest in the house. Okay, and uh, this will be very appropriate <laughs> when we talk about uh, young. Oh, wow. And he has a cool friend with him. Amen. It's a magical what? Ah, cool. Oh, so you'll go. I wish Jonathan was here today. He would love this. 
So I probably should take a video for him, but that's all right. Uh, no, I'm going to prevent myself from making a mess, I think. So I've got a variety of things in here. Number one, I love grape juice. It's grape juice, Jonathan, even though you're not here. And uh, whoosh. Hey, uh, John Mark, you want a sip? Do you not like grape juice? No, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. You like grape juice? What's the problem, young man? Uh, Allison, come on, Allison. You like grape juice. How about a sip? Come on. Don't get this on the outfit. Don't get this on the outfit. She's right. So, so I'll actually even do it. Can you think? Can you believe it? Mm, boy, it's hard work. Yeah. I ain't getting nothing. Boy, got work for that stuff, don't they? But you know, it's kind of it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So here you got an adult on the bottle. There's nothing wrong with the grape juice, is there? No, nothing wrong with the grape juice. But I shouldn't be drinking on the bottle, should I? Mm. I can't even get it. I'm have to undo it to get that. And then I do have something else. One of the favorites in our house. You can probably tell how I cook my meat. Oh, I like it. rare meat, yeah. Yeah, he said barely old rare meat, so good. So I do like that. And so right now, if I cut off a piece of that delicious rare meat and then walk up to a six-week-old baby and stuck it in that baby's mouth, what would you do? What would you do, Madeline? <laughs> yeah, seriously. She, she better. She better grab my hand and say, no. Why is that? You can't give meat to a baby, right? So it's completely wrong to give meat to a baby, and it's wrong for an adult to be on the bottle. I think you're right, Madeline. Yeah, it is. It's not going to come out anyway, I can guarantee you from my serious effort, my serious effort. But obviously, our focus is not physical. We know that certain things are appropriate. Meat is not appropriate to jam down a baby's throat. It could kill them. So how does that work? Well, you start a baby with what? The bottle. And then what happens after a while, do you think? What do you, after the baby's finally getting used to the bottle, what do you think you give them? You remember? Yeah, baby food, which is kind of specifically made for them. Angela used to love to make homemade baby food. She made so much homemade baby food. She would do it all the time and make homemade baby food and serve it. And then finally get to the point where their diet can increase and increase and they can eat more. Then they can get to where they can use the knife and the fork, right? And, and you know, when we have Friday night feasts and cook that rare meat on the grill, they can cut that and eat it right up themselves, right? Amen. So there's this period of maturity, this growing, this growing up, where you start with a bottle and then you grow up. And what we want to talk about is spiritually talking about. Now, what do you think a baby Christian needs? What does the Bible say baby Christians need? Milk. The Bible even says that. The Bible says that Christians are babies, that they are born again, they become a believer, but in terms of their spiritual maturity, they're little babies. And so all they can drink is the milk. Are they supposed to stay on the bottle? No. They're supposed to actually do what? Grow up. Mature. Grow up and mature. And then at that point, you can begin to eat what? Meat. Solid food. So I'm going to read you one verse, and then we're actually going to talk about a different one, but I'm going to read you one from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because Paul went to this church which he loved called the Corinthians. He actually wrote two letters in the Bible to them, and you know how he described not one person 
or two people or, you know, a few. He told the whole church that they were what? Babies. Wow, I don't know if they liked him after that. <laughs> you know, he told the whole church, he said, you are a church full of babies. Wow. Wow. No wonder sometimes Paul got himself in trouble. And this is how he said it. He, he would say things like this. He was known for saying, I'll say to you what's profitable, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I, brothers and sisters, could not speak to you as Holy Spirit people. You were not spirit people, but I had to speak to you as people who were controlled by your old nature, the flesh. You are babies in Jesus. I had to give you milk to drink. I couldn't give you any of the solid food because you weren't able yet to receive it. In fact, even now I'll tell you, you still are not able to receive from me the solid food. Wow. You are of your flesh. Jealousy, strife. You're fleshly. You're walking like unbelievers. Wow. Those are serious words. You know, when I read passages like that, it's so easy to point the finger at other people. I, I hope you've learned that when you read Scripture to learn how to always apply it to your own heart. You always can if you'll listen. When I read a passage like that, I talk about Brian. I say, Lord Jesus, Father, and Holy Spirit, I do not want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Because your word says you have solid spiritual food for mature believers. I want to grow up. Amen. Grow up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And one thing I'd encourage you, Allison, and you, John Mark, even if you're young, you can be mature in Christ. You can be mature in Christ. You can actually, Paul talked about this different place, you could actually be more mature in Christ than an adult. You, know, you can't speed up your growing up <laughs> through the teenage years and the other years because that's a process. But you can be an adult spiritually, spiritually, even though you're a teenager. You really can. You can be grown up or you can be a baby. And none of us want to be babies, amen? So we want to grow up. So let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to do that. Lord, I know one of the things you've been putting on my heart is, Brian, it's time to grow up. So I uh, pray you would teach us all how to do that in the Holy Spirit, the right way, the Jesus way. And we pray you'll come speak to us in such helpful and encouraging and exhorting words today so that we can be mature in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it actually is good to see things visually. So right up there we can, you can see the bottle. You won't be able to forget that, will you? And over here, thankfully, the Ziplocs have such good things, you know, where you see the tasty rare meat, if you promise not to run up with a, although some people don't like it, some would say, would you cook that, Pastor Brian? <laughs> so let's pray again. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, uh, we thank you that the Father wants mature believers, Jesus wants his people mature, and the Holy Spirit wants even young, young people mature in Christ, so we're thankful that you want us to grow up more than we do. 
So we ask you, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit to give us exhorting and encouraging words so that we can uh, not be stuck on the bottle and can grow up in the way you would want us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, it is a new season, at least in my terms of the word. Uh, I always have considered September 1 the start of fall. So with me in my own mind, September, October, and November are fall. December, January, and February are winter. March, April, and May are spring. And June, July, and August are summer. So today's the beginning of what? A new season. It is a new season. God has put that on my heart so much. I think not simply by the weather. Uh, do you know that there's seasons in your life as a believer? God has seasons and things change and pass. And I believe we are on the brink of a new season and especially a new season spiritually. And as I hear that, one of the things God keeps saying to my own heart personally, I love it when God speaks to me and I know he speaks to anyone who will listen. And I write things down in my journal because when God speaks to me, he usually has to say things over and over again. And one of the things he said to me repeatedly, really for the last two or three years, he's said to me with great love, it's time to grow up, Brian. And, you know, that doesn't offend me at all. That does not offend me because when I hear the Lord say to me, Pastor Brian, it's time to grow up, um, I realize he wants me to be more mature in Christ. So that excites me. He's trying to bring me to a higher level. He's trying to say, climb up higher. So I'm not offended when I hear the Lord say, it's time to grow up, Brian, because I, I want to grow up in Christ, don't you? And one of the things God really put on my heart recently, I was asking him, Tim Keller said this recently. Uh, Tim Keller said that, and I don't remember the exact percentage he used, 90%. He may have used a higher number than that. Uh, I think he said 90, 95% of Christians remain babies their whole Christian life. He says they never grow up. So in his perspective, that's Tim Keller, pastor in New York, he thinks that uh, the large majority of Christians uh, uh, die on the bottle. <laughs> you know, when they pass into, when they pass into victory, they're, they're dying on the bottle. I don't know if he's right. I don't know if he's correct or not. I do understand his concern about that. And I know that I want to grow up. I want to grow up in him. It's a new season. It's time to grow up. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a new season. It's time to grow up in Jesus' name. And that's God's exhortation to every single one of us. He wants to make all of us mature followers and believers. Wouldn't you love to be able to hear that? Don't you want to hear the Lord to be able to say that? To come up to Philip and say, Philip, you are not a babe in Christ. Philip, you are a mature follower, a mature believer. Isn't that great? Isn't that, isn't that what you want to hear? You're a mature follower. A mature believer. Wow, I want to hear that. I want to be that. I want to grow that. So the key phrase for us, we're going to look at three texts, but the real key phrase for us is the one from Hebrews, press on to maturity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, press on to what? Maturity. He wants them to press on to maturity. And we're going to actually look at three press on texts because I do think they actually go together, and I think they're all about maturity. We, we glanced at them last week, but there are three texts that I've spent a lot of time meditating and thinking about. Uh, one is in Hebrews 6, press on to maturity. The other one is at the end of, Hebrews, of Hosea 5 and through Hosea 6, verse 3, and it's press on to know the Lord. 
press on to know the Lord. And then in Philippians 3, that great passage 7 through 14, twice he says, press on for the prize. So we're pressing on three ways, right? Press on for maturity, press on to know the Lord, press on for the prize. There is a pressing on, and we want to kind of look at this. It's a new season, time to grow up in Jesus' name. Let's together press on to maturity, amen? So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, we're going to pray through this. So if you want to open your Bibles to chapter 5 in the book of Hebrews, to that first verse in this paragraph, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I love this opening phrase if you kind of meditate on it. Concerning him we have much to say. Concerning him, who do you think he's talking about? Who's the him? Jesus. And so what he's saying is, concerning Jesus, we have a little bit to say? No, much to say. That's why I love twice in Hebrews they use the phrase, consider Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 1, consider Jesus, the high apostle and high priest of our confession. He says, consider Jesus. The great passage about running the race with endurance, with your eyes fixed on Jesus and supernatural faith. In verse 3 of chapter 12, it says, consider Jesus who's endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose what? Heart. It's such a great thing to learn Christ, isn't it? That's actually what the word discipleship means, to learn Christ. I put the three together because you can never find these three in Scripture when you're thinking of a disciple with them out going together. Learning Christ, likeness to Christ, and lordship of Christ. Amen? So if you're learning Christ, what's happening? You're growing in likeness to Christ. And if you're growing in likeness to Christ, you're learning to live every area of your life under the what? Lordship of Christ. Don't you love the way those three L's go together? Learning Christ, likeness to Christ, lordship of Christ. And throughout the book of Hebrews, he's warning you throughout this whole book to consider who? Jesus. This book is so full of Jesus. I mean, the book of Hebrews just is a fountain overflowing with knowing Jesus. And it's not just about learning Him, is it? He wants every one of us, learn Jesus. Why, Brian? So you can grow in likeness to Jesus, so people can see more Jesus in you. And how's that going to look? Lordship of Jesus. You're going to begin to put every area of your life under the Lordship of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a real disciple. Learning Christ, likeness to Christ, lordship of Christ. So when he starts off here, it's a great thing. Concerning Jesus, we have what? Much to say. When I read that, I got excited because you know what that means to me personally? That means my Father in heaven, my Savior in heaven, and the Holy Spirit in heaven have much to say to my soul about Jesus. That's for me. It's for you. Isn't that great, Joel? Concerning Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Concerning Jesus, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have much to say to that man. Wow. Can't you take it personally for yourself, everyone in the room? That concerning Jesus, my Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have so much to say to my heart. But then what's the problem with them? Verse 11, what was the problem? Concerning Jesus, they had much to say, but they couldn't. Why? Dull. He says, much to say, but it's hard to explain 
Because what's happened to you is you have become dull of hearing. By now, you should be teaching others, but you need again for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You need what? Milk. Not what? You're on the bottle. You're on the ball. I mean, doesn't that, isn't that ridiculous? How ridiculous is it? Let me just sit here. So he says to these Hebrews that you're on the bottle. You're on the bottle. You're a baby. You're a baby. He said that to the whole Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said that to the whole church in that passage I read earlier, that this is a whole church full of babies. You're a baby, Corinthians. You're the baby church. By now you should be grown up. You should be mature in Christ. You should be teaching others. You're a whole church, he said to the Corinthian church. This whole church, including its leaders, very humbling to me, because I think one reason a church, if Tim Keller says that he thinks most Christians in America never grow up, and never get off the bottle, then I think uh, it's probably 90% the fault of pastors. It's one of the things when God told me as a pastor to grow up, do you think it's possible for a, for a church to grow up if they're shepherded? It'd be hard, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be tough? Can you lead people to where you're not? <laughs> you know, if you're on the bottle, you can lead them to drink with you. <laughs> I'm on the bottle, come drink with me. Well, that's better than not knowing Jesus. Right, amen. Yeah, I'd rather you be on the, on the bottle than, than uh, an unbeliever. And so he says here, I couldn't speak to you. You had become what? Dull of hearing. Again, have you ever learned to take, have you ever learned, and that's what I want you to actually do even as we're talking about this, I so long for myself and other Christians to learn to pray through Scripture. Please, please learn to pray Scripture into your heart. So you read this dull of hearing, what do you do? Do you just go on and read the next verse? No, you stop and you say, oh, Father, I repent for times in my life that I've been dull of hearing. And I'm coming to you, Father Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and I'm asking you, don't let me do what they did. It said they became dull of hearing. I do not want to become dull of hearing, and I want you to protect me so that I don't become that way. Don't you read Scripture that way? I hope you don't read it to point the finger at other people. You know, Mark, he's a really dull guy. I hope he can learn to hear the Lord. Oh, gosh, don't read the Bible like that. You know, just to pride yourself up about how you're so great. Oh, don't do that. Just say, Lord, I don't want to be dull. Because I realize here what happened, you could have much to say to me. And you could look right at Brian and say, Brian, I can't speak to you because you are dull of hearing. Isn't it amazing what he said to the Corinthians? And I still can't tell you. Isn't that sad? I still can't get you off the bottle. Wow. I don't want to be dull of hearing to you. I read that picture and I can't bear the thought of being on the milk. I want to be able to do what? I want to be on meat. I want to be able to eat the solid food. I want to learn Jesus, grow in likeness to Jesus, live under the lordship of Jesus. Adults on the bottle is not a pretty thing. Now, if you read this passage, there's one key to why he says they're still babies. How does he know that? How does he know they're still babies? And he says it in the next verse, because you're going to actually see why. He says why they are still babies babies. Verse 13, everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word, 
Now, what does it mean about them not being accustomed to the word? They're still a what? Baby. Verse 14, solid food is for the what? Mature, what we've been talking about, pressing on to maturity. Who because of what? Practice. That's the so key word. They are practicing the word. They are practicing the word. Oh, that is a big word. They have learned to be practicers of the word. Just listen. I've been looking up that word a lot lately in the Bible. I'm going to quote some of these to you pretty quickly. These are different words in Scripture that use that same word about practicing the word. Warning, Matthew 7, 23, Jesus said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me because you are a practicer of lawlessness. You don't practice the word. Wow. John 3, 21, whoever is practicing the truth is coming to the light so their deeds can be manifested as having been wrought by God. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Those who practice verse 2 Peter 1.10, you should read the whole chapter. But the conclusion of 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Therefore, brothers, sisters, be diligent to make sure that God has called and chosen you, because as long as you are practicing these things, you will never stumble. And in this way, entrance into the eternal kingdom is made for you. In what way? Practicing. Practicing. Practicing the truth. 1 John 1, 6, If you say you have fellowship with Jesus, but you're walking in darkness, you're lying because you do not practice the truth. 1 John 2, 29, If you know Jesus is righteous, you know that everyone who is practicing righteousness has been born again of Him. Philippians 4, 9, The things you have learned from me, Receive from me, heard from me, seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. How important is it practicing the words? Boy, I made so many mistakes as a pastor. You go back, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can't undo what you've done in the past. You can just figure out. I know Pastor Bill's telling me, you know, he just realizes, you know, a billion mistakes he made in the past, and he's just trying to grow up and do better. <laughs> Yeah, I used to think that if I could get a church full of Bible knowers and theological people that they would definitely be mature in Christ. So I used to have this notion, in fact our denomination was so strong on this, that people were biblically brilliant and theologically precise and analytically, you know, they had analytical acumen. So we want people that are Bible brilliant, theologically precise, and they got analytical acumen. They really know how to know the truth. You know, they're the kind of people that would love to go to a Bible conference for a week. They would love to go to a, to a good Bible debate on infant baptism versus adult baptism. They love Bible things and theology things, and they like to think about the Bible and debate about the Bible and think about theology and debate about theology, and they love to analyze. That's me because I'm so analytical. They love to, Now, there's nothing wrong with this. We're getting to the point that you've got to be careful with. So th those are the people that that's what they're really... And so we fill a church with people who know the Bible really well and their theology really well and they're analytically, you know, but they're babies. They're stunned. And some of them don't even know Christ because they've never learned to do what? Practice it. It hasn't come alive. It hasn't come alive in their soul with the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit so that they're really living it in supernatural ways. That's why I've always said some people are the intellectuals. They love the law, but they don't know the law of love. For them, it's all about what? 
Yeah. Then you've got your emotionals. They love experience, but they've never experienced love, and it's all about what? Feelings. So the one group wants to go to the Bible conference and the theological debates. The other group wants to go to the Christian concert and jump up and down. But the third group's the most important. Not just intellectual, not just emotional, but transformational. Transformational. So that kind of faith starts in the head where you learn Christ. Is the intellect important? Yes. Then it gets to the heart. Is the emotion important? Yes. Read the book of Psalms. But then transformational. There's an awesome supernatural plug-in, and they're living it out in a supernatural way, and they're practicing it. I never realized that the number one thing that was stunting my own growth was not practicing what God was teaching me. I didn't realize that. You know, this is how Pastor Brown thought, well, if I just read more Bible learn more Bible and read some more Calvin's Institutes and know my Westminster Confession and Catechism, get my theology down, and then learn how to figure it all out, Pastor Joseph, so that I can analyze everything and know the right answers. No one else is going to know them, but I'm going to be the know-it-all. That somehow that would make me a stronger believer. Does it work? No. Because you know what God's interested in doing? He's interested in Joel in taking the now word, a very specific thing he wants to deal with you on, and he begins to teach you in your heart because he wants you to learn how to put it into practice. And when you don't, what happens? You're stunted in your growth. You're hitting a roadblock. You know, you're still in third grade. It's almost like, you know, I'm trying to pass third grade to get into fourth grade. And if I don't pass, they won't let me to come up here. And Jesus, so Jesus says, Brian, you're right here. You're right here. You're not learning the lesson I'm trying to teach you, Brian. You're right here. It's a year later. You're right here. It's two years later, you're right here. Oh, but Jesus, I've been learning my Bible. Think, you're right here. You haven't learned to practice and to put into action what I'm showing you to do so that I can grow you through this and then take you to the next level. And now I realize how unbelievably important practicing truth is. And so now my heart has an unbelievable appetite. Teach me, Jesus, how to put it into practice. I want to live it out. I want to be a what of the word? Doer. 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 I want to be a doer of the word. I don't ever want you to be able to say to me that O'Brien knows his Bible inside out. O'Brien knows his theology inside out. O'Brien can analyze the best of them and debate publicly with anybody. But Brian is not a doer. Wow. I've found so many places where people who might not know their Bible real well, and they might not be the best theologians at all. <laughs> And they might not be able to do calculus and analytical math like I love to do, but they're doers. They're doing it. Doing it today. You know, just a little event, and I'm not trying to toot my horn. I just want to be honest about doing. I was meeting with the guys, and they were having a hard time, two of them. And, and they admitted we had a great time of prayer and scripture, and I talked to them about how they were. I was very honest with them. <laughs> I said, the two of them I talked to, I said, you're as far as Jesus is from east is from west. And they said, we know God. We have him out here. And I looked at them both in the face, and I said, you do not know God. And I talked to them and told them why, and they both looked at me, and they said, you're right. They said, we want you to pray for us to know God, but we don't know God. And they wanted me to give them a little bit of money. I said, I don't have anything today, and I can't give you anything. And then I was a little bit late, but Sam looked at me and he said, well, gosh, I'd love a rotisserie chicken. He said, they have good rotisserie chickens in Food Line. Would you go do that for me? And I could hear the Lord speaking to my heart. 
you go on that food line, you buy them some food, chicken, come back out and give it to them. So even though I knew it might make me a little bit late, I went and I did it. I want to be a doer. You know, probably doing by going into that food line and getting a hot chicken and giving it to some homeless people is way more important than me trying to memorize my theology. You see the difference? I'm not saying this isn't important. I love this book. You know how much I love it. I'm always memorizing more and more of it. I love memorizing this book so I can quote it when I'm just walking and hiking or doing whatever. And I do like theology because I want to know God. And there are things at times I don't understand this book. And I say, well, Lord, I want to know you better. And so I do want to wrestle. Right, Mark? Yeah, we want to understand. Sometimes we can't understand. What does this mean? What does this mean? Did I choose God or did God choose me? And I'm trying to figure out how that works out. Does that mean God doesn't save? Yeah, I I try to struggle through it. But I want to live it, don't you? I'd rather live it. And when I found out in my life is that many of these places, God is trying to just teach us small things to do. Isn't it amazing where Jesus will say to people, you know, little things, the lessons aren't too hard to figure out. I mean, I could ask everyone in this room, does this book teach you that God wants you very passionately and proactively loving and serving and ministering to the least and the lost? Right? He wants you actively spending your time, your money, and your effort to serve the poorest of the poor and lost unbelievers. That's not tough to figure out, is it? That's all over this book, right? That's why Jesus said you'll have the poor with you always. You always have opportunity. There are countless opportunities. Serve the poor, <laughs> right? How about unbelievers? Aren't there countless opportunities to do that? So I want to be a what? Doer. I want to be a doer. Doer of the word. That's what he says here, verse 13 again. For everyone who partakes of milk is not accustomed to the word. He's a baby. Why? Solid food is for the mature because of what? Practice. They're learning to put into practice by work of the Holy Spirit supernaturally, the word of God living in there. And then what happens to them? Their senses are trained. Their senses are trained. These doers of the word now, their senses are being trained in a supernatural way by the word and the Holy Spirit, and they're becoming people of discernment. Wow. They're growing up. They're growing up, and they've got supernatural word, spirit, discernment between what's good and evil. That's why Proverbs says there's a way that looks right to man, but its end is what? Destruction. There are things that can look good. The more you grow up and mature, the Holy Spirit and the Word and Jesus and the Father will give you supernatural discernment, especially between what's good and evil. Amen? He'll protect you from things you ought not be touching. Isn't that good? I want God to do that more. He knows me. He knows my weaknesses. And, you know, I don't need to know Joel's weaknesses. I, I've got enough here to deal with. And I know in my weaknesses I can be strong in Jesus, right? But I have to discern how to protect myself from evil. Amen? From anything that's going to be evil in my life. God knows it. And a lot of times it's not what it looks like. What's well, going to trip you up and trick you up. But God knows you. And if you'll be patient, He'll give you discernment between good and evil so that you won't be tricked to go down the wrong road. Amen? And then what's the key phrase? It comes in chapter verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, he says, I want you to leave elementary school, <laughs> the elementary teaching about Christ. What did he tell them earlier? I have so much to teach and tell you but Jesus, about Jesus, but I can't 
because you're dull of hearing. The exact same thing to the Corinthians. You know, the Corinthian one really breaks my heart because when he's talking to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 3, he says, you still can't receive the word. The only thing I can give you is the bottle. You're, the whole church is babies. Now, what, what have they not learned to do? They haven't learned to do verse 1 of chapter 6. Leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us what? Press on to maturity. I just cannot emphasize how strong this word is. Press on. It's used in Hosea, press on to know the Lord. It's used here, press on to maturity. It's used in Philippians. We won't get to that today. Press on for the prize. The, word, the best way I can describe the word, the only way I can describe it is it is an Olympic word. It really is. It's actually used in places in Scripture. This is a word that describes the life of an Olympic athlete an Olympic athlete. And I do like sports. I do like sports. I enjoy it. And God has weaned me from most, but I watch a little bit. <laughs> and you can be sure I was watching the Carolina football game beginning of the season last year, yesterday. And when the game was over and they interviewed Mac Brown and the person comes up to him and sticks the microphone under him and says, so what did winning this game mean to you? You know what he did? He sat there and didn't say a word. He couldn't. He just cried like a baby. And when he finally got enough to be able to talk, he said to the person in the microphone, nobody knows how hard these men worked for this. Nobody knows how hard these men worked for this. And I'll be the first to tell you, and you can say you heard it from me here, I think this is just stupid college football and paying coaches five, six million dollars and spend an untold number to get out on a football field and run. Are we crazy or what? I do enjoy the game, but it's insanity, isn't it? Yeah. And I am glad they won. But like Angela says, it's just a what? A game. Following Jesus isn't just a game. I should work a thousand times harder to know Christ than they worked to win that game yesterday. Pastor Joseph will be the first to tell you how hard he works training for a marathon. That's why I do love sports. Uh, I love to watch athletes. I love to watch them when they strive and they labor and they become disciplined and they work hard to train their mind, their body, and they come together and learn to work as a what? Team. And it's just beautiful to watch the pieces coming. I do enjoy that. But then I think this Olympic game of fallen Christ. So much better what Mark said when he prayed about God knitting our hearts together in love. So much more important to me. God knitting our hearts together in love and teaching us how to run the race and press on to maturity and go for the prize of Christ and become strong, mature believers. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of planning, a lot of work. It's exhausting. You've got to want it, want it, want it. Seek it, seek it, seek it. Strive, strive, strive. You have to labor if you want to grow up in Christ. Now is it hard to understand why most Christians are just you got to press on. Maturity doesn't come easy. That word press on is just such a Herculean word about Olympic athlete and about somebody who labors and strives and plans and disciplines themselves. They want it. They want that gold medal. They seek that gold medal. It controls their diet. It controls how much they sleep. It controls every aspect of their life. They get up thinking about that gold medal. They go to sleep thinking about that gold medal. Everything in their life is controlled about that gold medal. They work for that gold medal. They are pressing on for that prize. 
Amen? we got to learn. It's time to grow up, Joel. I said last week, it really is. It's a new season. It's a new season in these last days. Jesus is looking for mature believers, mature followers, people who want to really grow up in Jesus. They really want to. I know I've got a long way to go, but I'm excited. <laughs> There's nothing I enjoy more than victory in Jesus. There's nothing I enjoy more than growing up in Jesus. Like I told you, I might enjoy a game. It ain't nothing compared to growing up in Jesus. It's nothing more enjoyable than to be growing and putting into practice what he's teaching me, to have more of the Holy Spirit, more faith, more hope, more love, to have more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, joy, and peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, the faith, humility, and control of the Holy Spirit, to have more of the fullness of Christ, to be more holy, to have more love, <laughs> to be more selfless, to be more giving. Wow. To be more of what Jesus wants me to be, right? I pray that for my family all the time. Isn't that great to pray that for the family? I pray Ephesians 3 for everybody in my family all the time to be filled up into all the fullness of God. For each one, oh, that they might grow. <laughs> May they be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit and the inner man that Jesus Christ might dwell in their hearts by faith, that they might be rooted and grounded in love, that they would know length, breadth, height, depth of the love of God, and that they would be filled up to all the fullness of God so that they could be everything God created them to be. And then I'll pray the last part now to God who is able to do that with all five of my family. I believe it. It's possible that every one of them can be filled up to the fullness of God. Isn't that a great thing? Maturity. Press on to maturity. So I won't do the other two passages this time, the press on passages, but I just want to tell you how important that word press on is. Press on to maturity, Hebrews 6.1. End of Hosea 5 in chapter 6, press on to know the Lord, and then especially Philippians 3.7-14, press on for the prize. Amen? And we'll talk a little bit more. And I know it is a new season. I hope you all figured that out. God does different things at different times. It's a new season. And I'm not just talking about September 1. I believe it's a new season for the church all over the world. It's a new season. And I believe that one of the things God's saying is press on for maturity in Jesus' name. God wants Christians pressing on for maturity. No more Baby on the bottle, solid food is for the what? Mature, who by what? Practice, now have their senses trained, and they can discern goodness and evil, and therefore they are pressing on for what? Maturity, they're pressing on in Jesus' name. Father, we do ask and seek and knock in the name of Jesus that you would uh, deliver us from the bottle. <laughs> I'm actually glad for the bottle because babies do need the bottle. How can a baby grow without the bottle? How can a baby grow without milk? But that's just the start of the journey. There is a maturity and a pressing on that involves the eating of solid food. So for every one of us in this room, whether we're young or old, I pray that we would be pressing on for maturity, that we would not be stuck in the rut of the bottle that we would be able to feed on the solid food. Thank you that we have a Father who wants to feed us, a Shepherd Jesus who wants to feed us, and a Holy Spirit who wants to feed us. And we thank you that 
our God wants to feed us, everyone in this room, solid food. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.